Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Hello, New Covenant family and all of those who invited us into your homes via live stream. We're grateful to God for you as always and looking forward to sharing the word of God once again with one and all. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of standing behind this sacred desk. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes, that we might behold wondrous things coming out of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and by him we give thanks and say amen. As we come to the end of the season where we remember the birth the ministry, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, a season on the Christian calendar that we call Advent, where we think about his coming. And I want to declare a word unto you today where we think about his second coming because he will come again. And we know that because he promised. And we are told to occupy until he comes. And I just want to encourage each and every one of you to remain vigilant. Vigilant in the faith and vigilant guarding your health. I noticed over the last few days as I've been uh, going about that the malls are packed. You gotta go, feels like miles to find a parking space. And I began to reflect on the first wave of the coronavirus. When we didn't know much about it, you would drive and it felt like there was an apocalypse. There was nothing moving, there were no cars, it was very, very somber. This time, the peak is higher. It's more intense. There are more people hospitalized than ever before. And more people, unfortunately, are dying. But yet, we've gotten more relaxed. I want to say to each and, one, each and every one of you, beloved, maintain your vigilance. Let's go into the Word of God. Today I want to talk about three things and they all build upon each other and get to the ultimate message. The three things are a new commandment, a word in season, and a promise. So let's start with the new commandment because it's context to the promise. And that's found in John 13, 34, and 35, where Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. And during his discourse, he told them a few days prior to this, there are many things I have yet to say to you, but you're not ready to hear it. But now he's preparing them for the inevitable. He knows his hour is drawing near for him to go to the cross. And so he gives a new commandment, a new commandment to love one another. And this commandment is for all time and for all generations. It's no surprise that hate is abounding today. And Jesus said, this same Jesus, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And it is the antithesis, the opposite of the new commandment. He said we ought to love one another just like he loved us unconditionally. I'm reminded of the words of Augustine who said, in the essentials, we ought to have agreement. Jesus is Lord. If you're a believer, all of us ought to agree on that. On the non-essentials, liberty. There are diverse doctrines. There ought to be liberty there. But in all things, love. In all things, love. Because love never fails. Love covers a multitude of sins and faults. Love is easy to be kind to. Love is not puffed up. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not haughty. Love never fails. And sometimes we conflate or confuse emotion alone with love. But if one fails you, I want you to know that's not love because love never fails. It doesn't come with Condition And Jesus says, the same love that you feel for me, I want you to give to one another. He was letting them know the way you will sustain yourself, the way you will keep the faith, the way you will be able to go forward in fiery trials and persecution is because you love one another. When you love one another, you have one another's back. When you love one another, you support one another. You don't tear each other down. When you love one another, you bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so I'm giving you this new commandment because in it, all of the law is wrapped up in that. If you just love one another, you'll do right by one another. And he said, when you do this, your witness will be so great that all people will know that you are mine, that you belong to me, that you followed me. When we love one another, we become like Syrian Antioch, the first place the new, the, the early church were called Christians. They weren't Christians because they said of themselves that they're Christians. They were Christians because people saw their lifestyles and said they are like Christ. This is the love that Jesus talked about. So I went to God that we would all obey this new commandment and love one another.
The devil wants division, especially in the body of Christ. And so he sows hate. But you overcome hate with love. Don't be overtaken with evil. Overcome evil with good. A new commandment. The next thing I want to talk about before we get to the heart of the message is a word in season. And that's found also in John 13, verses 36 through 38, where Jesus is talking to the disciples, but there's one who stands out, the one who's sanguine in personality, the one who is generally the first to speak up. And as you'll see as we get into the text, that's a double-edged sword, a word in season. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now in this discourse, the Lord is giving a word in season for his disciples so that they would have the hope, the confidence, and assurance to carry on when he goes to the cross and when he goes into the lower parts of hell. Jesus had said to the Jews that where I'm going, you can't come. They were confused. What in the world is he talking about? So now he's speaking to his inner circle, those who have been with him, those who he poured into, those who he taught, so that they, in his absence, could do greater works, could turn the world upside down. But Peter said, Lord, where are you going? You, you can't go anywhere without me. Wherever you go, I will follow. He is interesting that Thomas was the disciple among them who came from the zealot tradition. But Peter had zeal because of his personality. And sometimes our zeal can get ahead of the word of God. We need to know, understand a word in season and how to respond. It's not always for you to do something in that moment. And it's not always designed for you to defend the faith. Speaking to all you apologists, there are times when you don't, you're instructed by the word of God not to give what's holy to the dogs or to cast your pearls to the swine. You have to know when to hold your peace. The other day, my wife took me out to buy me a new suit. And uh, the tailor was putting things together. And then the salesperson 
you know how they do. They want to sell you accessories. They got suits, I mean, shirts, ties, all this stuff. And so she went and sat down. And so in order to get a closer look, I went and sat next to her. And so after we left, my wife said, why did you sit so close? She said, you ought to maintain social distance. I said, well, we both had our mask. She said, yes, but you wear a mask and you maintain social distance. I thought, okay, good point. The next day, less than 24 hours later, my youngest son, David, and I were at the mall, and I saw the person with the Salvation Army bucket. And I, I gave David some money. I said, go put it in the bucket. And it appeared that he wasn't approaching it from the right angle. And so I snapped at him. I said, David, it's right there. Go put it in. He looks at me and says, Dad, I'm trying to maintain social distance. I heard that twice within 24 hours from two loved ones. That is a word in season. It's a word that could save my very life. And so I adhere, it affirmed when David said it after his mother said, and they weren't together, it was, they, it was on different days, different times. On the one day, it was just me and my wife. On the next day, it was just me and my son, and it was the same thing. That is what a word in season is like. The action that I'm going to take is I want to make certain that in addition to the mask, that I don't get too comfortable and break the social distance. And even though, as I mentioned earlier, there are more deaths, there are more hospitalizations, we get comfortable in time. Initially, there was such fear that people followed everything. They were willing to isolate. You, you could not turn on social media without seeing people falling on their face in Brazil, in Spain, all over the world, Africa, crying out to God. Those are fewer now because people are getting fatigued. We're getting used to it. And that's what happens when a word in season comes and we don't understand it. Peter was being told the same, was being given the same word as the other disciples. But he said, first of all, I want to know where you're going. Philip asked the same question in a different way, if you read a little further. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And, and he goes on to say, show us the Father and that will satisfy us. That will suffice. Jesus said, have I been so long with you and you have not, and you haven't known, Philip, that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? What Jesus was saying with the new commandment is, I want you to love with the love of God. And now he's saying, I'm going someplace that you can't go because there's, there's nothing redemptive about you going. There's some stuff that only Jesus can do. He's saying, well, I'm going, I've got to go by myself because I alone am able to carry out this part of the mission. There were some things that we did together. There's some things that I prepared you for to do after I go, but this part only I can do. You don't know it, but there was a time in heaven where God looked in heaven. 
He looked on the earth and he looked under the earth and there was no one worthy. And I said, give me a body. I'll go down. The purpose for me going down is about to happen. It's going down. It's about to go down. And so now I'm going somewhere that you can't go, but later you're going to be able to come. I don't want you to be sad. I'm telling you that right now, what I'm about to do, only I can do. And I alone will do this. But you will not be left as orphans. I'm going to send a comforter for you. I'm going to make certain that you have everything you need. Just as I walk beside you, I'm going to send another comforter that will walk beside you. I've thought about everything. I've got a plan for you, but you just need to know that where I'm going right now, you cannot go. And so Peter's response was remarkable because he said, Lord, why can't I follow you? You said I can't. Why can't I follow you? That doesn't sound like the words of obedience. That does not sound like the words of acceptance or receiving the word. And whenever that happens in our lives, when we don't agree with the word of the Lord, it puts us in a position where we bear needless pain. Jesus told Peter what he already knew, that you say you're going to lay your life down for me before the rooster crows. You're going to deny me three times. And you know the story. It happened. And Peter's heart was broken. But the, the love, the new commandment that Jesus gave, he modeled it. While he was stretched out on the cross, as Peter was lamenting and wailing and weeping, at the foot of the cross, actually from a distance, Jesus made eye contact and looked at him with loving eyes to let him know, it's all right. I knew what you were going to do. I told you before you did it. The love that I have for you is unconditional. It's all right. And after he rose from the dead, he took a walk with Peter and asked him, do you love me? Peter said, yes, then feed my sheep. I want you to do what I prepared for you to do. I want you to focus on this. He gave him another word in season. What I love about God is he won't let us fail. I remember a song when I was growing up that used to be sung in the little church that I went to, Lord, don't let me fail. I want to be your bride. When my way grows dark, Walk right by my side. When my faith gets weak, Lord, let me see something in my life that God has done for me. God intends for us to be encouraged. God wants us to agree with his word. He will always send a word in season. We just have to know the season that we are to act. And Peter, in this moment, missed it. But I got good news. He won't let us fail. When we desire to be his bride, he'll show us when things are dark, he'll send a flash of light. And then he'll send much light if we follow it because his word is a lamp to our feet 
and a light unto our path. And unlike Peter, we need to embrace his word. We need to agree with God. We need to understand that in the season that is spoken, there are times when we are to, to act. Like the social distance example that I gave that my son and my wife spoke. There are times like this one when Jesus is talking about a future event where we need to wait on God. Every tr trusting his word, knowing that if he said it, it's going to come to pass. If it comes out of his mouth, it's true. It is true. And we need to walk by faith and not by sight. A new commandment to love, to love one another just as he has loved us. A word in season that needs to be understood so that we know how to walk, we know how to talk, we know how to behave so that we have a lifestyle that pleases the God that we serve. And now I want to talk about the promise. And the promise that Jesus makes to all of us, and as I started, the season of Advent focuses on his coming, his birth. But his promise is, I will come again. Somebody needs to receive that promise. I will come again. When we know that he promised to come again, it causes us to look up. The cares of this life don't bog us down as much. It's not as much of a distraction when we know that he promised to come again. And I hear the Lord saying, I will come again. He wants his people to focus on that more than all these other things. All these other things that are designed to take us away from the truth of his word. Those things that are designed to pull us further away from him. The enemy would like nothing more than us to be distant from the cross like Peter was, than to draw nearer to the cross like John was, to be at the feet of the cross so close that John could hear the Lord with a faint voice. He had become weak because of the suffering but when he said, son, behold your mother, and mother, behold thy son, Mary and John were close enough. That's where I want to be. I want to be so close to him that when he whispers, I'll hear him. So when he calls me, I'll answer. I want to be close, not distant from the cross. The thing that separates us from the cross is our sin. And sometimes it is something that we do that's well-intentioned. Peter meant well when he said, Lord, wherever you go, I'm going to go. But it was contrary to the word that was spoken by the Lord. We cannot do that which is contrary to the word and still be close to him. I hope somebody's hearing me today. The promise is found in John 14, verses 1 through 6, and it reads, Let not your heart be troubled. He knew that the fact that he was telling them that he was going away troubled them. It was clear in their eyes. It was clear in their body language, their response of confusion and wanting to go with him were all indicators that they were troubled. 
And what I love about our Lord is that he can send a word in season that'll pick you up because he knows when we're down. He knows when we're hurting. He knows when we need a word to lift our spirit. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Somebody type, somebody chat at me. I will come again, that's the promise, and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus had given them a new commandment. He gave them a word in season. And now he's declaring unto them a promise. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. They are sure. You can be confident if it comes from the, from the mouth of the Lord that A, it is true. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. Nothing that comes out of my mouth is a lie. There's no lie in me. I am truth. I am the truth. Jesus said, of the father of lies that from the beginning he was a liar and when he lies, he's being himself. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. When the word of God comes forth, you can take it to the bank. You can count on it. It is true. The word of God is always true. And Jesus wanted to assure them that I'm going away, but I will come again. And I have a purpose. It is to receive you unto myself. I want you to know that in my father's house, there are many mansions. There's a place that's prepared for you. There are people who have large homes, celebrity types, who when their friends come, they actually have places that are prepared for them. There are stories of athletes who have friends. Some are teammates, some are just good, good friends that they've known for years. And they have rooms that have their names on them. So when you visit them, it is your place. It's prepared for you. The room is named for you. What Jesus is saying is, in my father's house, there are many mansions. There are many places to abide, and I am going to prepare a place just for you. Your name is on it. In fact, in the book of Revelations, he's speaking to the seven churches, and he says, in one occasion, to you that overcome, 
I'm going to give you a white stone. And on that stone is going to be written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. This relationship is intimate. I'm going to make certain that you know how special you are. Every detail is worked out just for you. I want you to know that I'm going away, but I will come again. And when I come back, I've got a reward with me. And I've got something that is designed only for you. Love is so considerate. It thinks about every detail. Love doesn't focus on itself. It focuses on the object of the love or the affection. And God, that is how God is towards us. And that's how he wants us to be towards one another. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now the promise is, you're going to be where I am also, but not now. You're going to get to come where I am, but not now. But all of them wanted it now. And we live in a now generation. And I hear God saying, not now. I've got everything you need. I've got everything you've ever desired. It's prepared for you, but not now. You still got some stuff that you've got to do. You've got to occupy till I come. But I want you to never lose sight of the promise that I will come again. If we keep in mind that he's going to come again, that directs our behavior. Our lifestyle is governed by that because we're looking for him, the one who's coming like a thief in the night, the one who's coming when no one knows the hour, the one who says we need to always be ready, the one who told the parable of the foolish and the wise virgins, the wise ones kept oil in their lamp. Is there oil in your lamp? Is it trimmed? Are you keeping it right? Is your life right with him? Is there oil, which is the spirit of God? Is it in you? And are you pouring it out so that it can be poured back in by the God who wants you to be ready so that when the bridegroom comes and the door is shut, you'll be on the right side of the door because those who are on the outside couldn't get in. Those who are on the inside couldn't get out. It's like the days of Noah. For 120 years, he said it's going to rain, but people went about their business. They were getting married and giving in marriage. They were doing all those things. And when the day came, the Bible says God shut the door. And the reason he did that is because he knew that Noah had family and friends that he wanted to let in, but God decided who was going to come in. He gave them an ample opportunity, just as he does with us. The difference is he's given us a promise. He's given us his word that is reliable. He's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and to godliness. And so God is saying, the Lord Jesus is telling them, I'm, I'm going to come back. 
and I'm going to get you. I'm going to bring you to this place that you're so anxious to go, but not now. Not now. And then Thomas, the zealot, says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going now. It's interesting that he told them over and over and over. He told them, he spoke this to the Jews in their presence, and he spoke it to them on multiple occasions. But they did not receive it because they already had an image of him as the conqueror. They knew he was the Messiah, but their worldview of the Messiah was that he would deliver them from Rome. Anything else was hard for them to receive. I believe that we're in a season where God is breaking through the dogma, breaking through the deep-seated beliefs that we have that don't allow us to readily receive his promise. They had been with him. They were in his presence. And I hear the Lord saying, being in the presence of him isn't enough because they were in his presence and they still didn't get it. They did not get it. They wanted it now. They wanted to go to a place that had no redeeming quality for them rather than just receive his promise and rejoice in that. The reason he gave them the promise is so that their heart would not be troubled. But their hearts were still troubled because they lacked understanding and his people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And I want you to know that even though he's near, he's as close to us as our breath because he's the God who holds our breath and all our getting, we must get an understanding. And when we understand the word in season, we're able to apply it and we walk with confidence. We're able to walk by faith and not by sight. We're able to love our enemies. We're able to be a light in darkness. We're able to be like him. Although he was led to the slaughter, he didn't resist because he knew his purpose. He understood why he came. And it was for you and for me. It was to redeem our lives from destruction. It was to be the savior of the world, which meant pain and suffering for him. Some of us, God has put so much confidence in and he knows what we can bear. He allows us to go through seasons of pain, but it's never without purpose. Just as the promise to come again had the purpose of receiving us to himself, everything that you go through is with purpose. And if we're close to him, if we receive his word, we'll understand it better and we'll be able to go through with joy and we will be able to live out what he said to them. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me because I and my father are one. And if I say it, it's good. My daddy is backing me up. 
Every work that I do, I do because I see my father working. Every word that I speak, I don't testify of myself. There's one who testifies of me. And that is the lot of the children of God. We don't have to fight for ourselves. We don't have to be those who are constantly, constantly in word battles and exchange. We just speak the word of God, speak the truth and love, and God will back you up every time. As long as we walk in his will, as long as we understand the purpose that he has purposed in us, nothing by any means shall hurt you. No weapon that is formed against you shall ever prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn because this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord and your righteousness is of him. God is for you. The promise today is that he will come again. And when Thomas was confused about the way, Jesus said, let me make it plain. I, I got to go. I got to leave here. I've got a date on Calvary, I've got to head to the hills of Golgotha. But I want you to know that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to know the truth, look at me. I'm the express image of God. The fullness of the Godhead is in me. I came here to show you the way. I came here to reveal God. I am Emmanuel, God with you. You just need a little more maturity to understand it. There are times when the Lord has to say to me and to you over and over. I heard a, a word from my wife and when it was affirmed in my son, I realized God is trying to tell me something. I would to God that you would be a fast learner, that you would get it the first time every time, that you would always get it right. But if you don't, I have good news. Just like Peter essentially rejected his word and went with his own instinctual zeal, Jesus with loving eyes looked at him. He's looking at somebody right now through eyes of love and saying, I know that you meant well. I know that your heart is broken because you now realize that you strayed from the path. But I'm saying, come hither. I want to take you higher. This is a stepping stone. This is not a stone of rejection. This is a stepping stone for you because your life is all planned out. I see the beginning from the end. And this little minor setback is going, I'm going to use it to cause you to mount up it is going to be well with you. Don't worry. Don't fret. Let not your heart be troubled. God is for you. God is with you. God is going to take you through. I need you to hear this word in your season. There's nothing that you will face that you will ever face alone. Once you commit yourself to him, he is joined with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. 
He will never put you down. He died on the cross for the remission of your sins, to take your sins away. And the prophet said, as far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your sin from you. And so this guilt that you're feeling is not of God. Godly sorrow works repentance. So the fact that you're sorry is a good thing. But the fact that you're guilty is not of God. God today wants to take away the guilt and the shame that you're, doing, that you're feeling. He's saying to you right now, forget about those things that are behind. I need you to press forward towards the mark of the prize. And that is the high calling of God on your life in Christ Jesus. The devil comes to distract you. The devil doesn't want you to walk in your purpose and to realize your future. But God today has come to release you. He's come to give you a new commandment. He's come to impart a word in season. And he's come with a promise that he will come again. And that ought to be your focus, not on your past. Forget about it. It's done. It's washed in the blood. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. It's nailed to the cross. And he remembers it no more. He wants you to learn to remember it no more and to come so close to him that you'll hear him when he, when he whispers and calls you daughter and calls you son and lets you know that you are beloved. Father, I pray for everyone who's carrying a burden, that you would lift every burden. You said that every one of us who are heavy laden and a burden should come unto you and that you would give rest. Let your yoke be easy and your burden light. God, you never said that we wouldn't have burdens, but you promised that if we come to you, the burdens would be light. And so I want everyone who has heavy burdens to know that God is stretching out his hand right now to lighten your load, to make your burdens light. Do it now. Father, be glorified in your son. I stand here preaching the gospel of your son. And because I know you honor him, I know you're going to honor this word because it's in his name that this word goes forth. It's not about anything or anyone except the one you sent to redeem us. Let your redemptive power go forth now in the name of Jesus and everyone who's watching it now, and everyone who will watch it in the future, let them receive your redemptive power. Save, heal, deliver, and put in our spirits a mindset to always remember your promise that you will come again. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord causes face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. May you always know that he is for you, that he is with you. And may your seed be blessed 
unto a thousand generations. Go in peace and keep the faith. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church/giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.